0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: This week on the Chicago Bears Review, with their victory over the Browns, our beloved closed out the preseason at 3-1 and, and now move forward with their final roster cuts and name the 53 they're taking into the regular season. Who made the first roster of the Fox Pace era and were there any surprises? Ron Rudd from Football's America joins me on the preseason finale episode of The Chicago Bears Review. Four up and four down. The preseason is finally over, and we can start looking forward to the regular season, but not before we have our preseason finale episode of the Chicago Bears Review. What's going on, everybody? Larity back, the uh, preseason finale, as I said. Uh, Ron Rugg from Football as America will be joining us a little bit later on to kind of break down the the roster uh, that uh, we're going forward with and uh, any surprises uh, on the roster and so forth. And then, of course, we'll have our Picks That Stick segment talking about how we see the season itself unfolding, who will win the division, who will be our champions, the Super Bowl, and Rookie of the Year, all that fun stuff. So lots to get covered with on the show. First, I want to give you guys an offer, I should say. My apologies about last week. Uh, I did not know that I would not be able to watch the uh, Bears game while I was in Las Vegas last weekend. Um, I did set it up to be recorded on my DVR. Apparently I forgot to hit the save button or something because the game was not waiting for me when I got home. Therefore, that was why there was no review episode for the Bears and Bengals. And from what I hear, uh, I was spared quite the headache or vomiting spell or whatever from the way the bears played in that first half uh against the Bengals, being down what 21 to 3 or something like that at, at halftime the defense looked inept our offense six drives five punts one field goal is all we had uh you know but it's you know pre-season at least it wasn't as bad as it was against the seahawks in the, in the dress rehearsal game we 31 nothing at halftime or whatever the ridiculous score was and it uh you know it's it's uh it was discouraging to hear that uh you know the one preseason game that most fans look forward to uh the bears did not show up for and uh you know looked outclassed by the Bengals uh in that one so i don't know maybe it's just something about that cincinnati area we haven't been able to play a decent football game out there uh for quite some time i mean just you know, rewind your memories back to two thousand and nine, uh when we played the uh the Bengals and uh good old Cedric Benson dusted off his uh his talent for one more game and ran the Bears out of town, hundred and seventy something yards rushing and a touchdown or two or whatever. The Bears got shellacked in that game. It was one of those uh I think it was like thirty one to something at halftime if it wasn't thirty one to nothing. But we got blasted by the by the Bengals in that one. That one was yeah that was fun anyway you know it, it's uh i didn't see the third game i didn't really get to see any highlights actually uh, of it either so uh, i guess i'm just being spared across the board uh from that one the football gods just don't want me to see it uh, i did however watch the uh fourth preseason game the uh the uh don't cut me bowl uh as i like to call it um basically everyone that you would want to see play in that game did not play uh in that one not even i don't think our starters even dressed for it i think jay might have been dressed for it i thought i saw forte walking around in a uniform so they got warmed up but they never took the field david fails started the majority of the played the majority of the football game uh at quarterback and um performed pretty well actually um you know the uh the defense uh, pitched a shutout across the board as, you know, the the Bears didn't get scored against at all in the preseason in the second half. Um, but, uh, you know, they shut the Browns out 24 to nothing on Thursday night to uh, close the uh, close out the preseason on a positive note. Uh, what I found encouraging was we looked more like we did in the first two games against Miami and Indianapolis than we did against uh cincinnati from what i've been told because like i said i never saw the cincinnati game but you know we went back to having somewhat of a, a more of a dedication to the run jeremy langford and kadeem carey uh ran the football fairly well uh in that game uh david fails was very efficient had a really nice touchdown pass to uh, uh if i believe that's how you pronounce his name uh later on in the game and uh you know like i said the defense was all over was all over cleveland i think we sacked the quarterback something like six times uh in that game so it was uh it was fun to watch the bears uh do well uh in that final preseason game even though majority of the guys that uh that got meaningful stats in that one um are at at this moment looking for new jobs so um but at least they had their their moment in the sunlight you know if you will uh in in an nfl game uh before possibly having to pack it up uh once and for all so um you know, like I said, we, we went back to to having a dedication to the run because not every single run was, you know, positive yardage or anything like that. But um, it's it's the thing that that Trestman did not allow the offense to do, which was to kind of try and establish a rhythm running the football, at the very least, keep the defense honest when we do try to throw the ball um so if uh if, if we're going to run the ball at least 25 times a game we're giving ourselves more opportunities to break that big run because that's what we've seen even though we're seeing it you know with the second third and fourth string guys you know you're seeing that not every run is going to be successful sometimes you're going to get stuff sometimes you're going to lose a yard sometimes you're only going to get three or four uh in those uh, situations but every now and then you're going to get it right, you're going to block that guy, and you're going to get 15, sometimes you're going to get 20. Hell, sometimes you might break it for 50 in a touchdown in, in that play, but you have to keep running the ball in order for it to be successful. That's when you can start filtering in play action, that's when you can take some chances deep because the safety is afraid you're going to run and he's going to freeze for a second and things like that. So it's... Um, it's the, the running game is going to be very, very important. And with the running backs that we ended up keeping, and I'll introduce them in a second, uh, with the running backs that we ended up keeping, uh, I think we are, we're deep at running back this year. From what I've seen from our running backs in the preseason, um, we've got, uh, we, for a change, we're actually loaded at the running back position, in my opinion. You know, I have love what I've seen from Lankford, I love what I've seen from Kadim Carey. Obviously Matt Forte is gonna make the team. Jaquiz Rogers was a, was was a pretty solid bet to make the team uh as well. So I guess I just blew that off, blew the lid off that one. But, you know, those are the four running backs that we're going in there with. And, you know, I, I liked what I've seen from pretty much all of them. Kadim Carey finally stepped up in the Cleveland game. Um, but uh, you know, I I, I think that um, you know, as opposed to just having like Okay, we got Matt Forte, then that running back that we kind of signed that we're hoping to compete with Forte but isn't really on Forte's level that, you know, or anything like that. It's another Kevin Jones or Chester Taylor or Michael Bush that isn't going to work out. And I think we're actually we're we're in good shape as far as the running back uh position is concerned. Looking forward to seeing what we're gonna be able to do when the games Really count. So, uh, other than that, um, that's pretty much the preseason. The preseason, in a nutshell, is kind of like my opinion of the Bears going into the season. It was, you really don't know what to expect, to be completely honest, because no, the Bears did not play well in the preseason when the starters were out there. Um, no that didn't happen however we were missing guys that were being sat because it was the preseason we're missing guys that were i mean like we still haven't seen our offense yet we still haven't seen it because alshon jeffrey didn't play a snap eddie royal only played in i think only played two of the games uh i don't think he played in cincinnati um you know marquise wilson got hurt against indianapolis i don't think he played in the last two games uh, you know, we're still jumbling around the offensive line. We had a surprising move uh, as far as the O-line is concerned earlier today. I'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, you know, so what we thought was our strength going into the season, we have no idea where they are with this new offense because they haven't been out there yet. Alshon Jeffrey hasn't played a snap. So, I mean, we we know what we got as far as Josh Bellamy and, uh, you know, and and those backup receivers and everything are concerned because they're the ones taking all the snaps, even in the starter, even in the, you know, the dress rehearsal game, our starting receivers were Josh Bellamy and, and Rashad Lawrence or something like that. I mean, the, not the guys that are going to be taking the field against green Bay next Sunday. So it's, it's uh, we don't know what we have with that, um, with the offense. And then of course, the defense has not looked spectacular, uh, but it's a new system, a new defensive coordinator, a brand new scheme, Uh, You know, we got personnel, we're trying to fit into places and so on and so forth. So you don't really know what to expect. However, that being said, I don't, I'm, we're we're back to that whole point where I'm like, you know, wins and losses, I guess, at, at this stage aren't the most important thing. Obviously, I want the Bears to win. I want the Bears to win. Hell, I want the Bears to win every game. I want them to go to the Super Bowl and win it all and all that kind of stuff. I'm no different from any other Bear fan as that, as far as that is concerned. But we have to be realistic about expectations, okay? I was on Football is America with, with Ron Ruggan and, and Kyle Frank, and Ron's going to be on the show a little bit later on to talk about the roster and, and our predictions uh, for the season. And what I told them was that, you know, the preseason is the preseason, and you, 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 you take the preseason with a grain of salt and everything, but it's hard to ignore what I've seen. And I did that to a, for, to, as, an, as a definition of, of two football teams that I was talking about. One was the Philadelphia Eagles, and the other, unfortunately, was the Bears. It, you know, it's, it is the preseason, and there's no such thing as champions of the preseason. You don't get anything for being awesome in the preseason. Talk to the 2008 Lions about that. They went 4-0 and in the preseason, went 0-16, the only team to ever lose all 16 regular season games. You know, so the preseason you take with a grain of salt. But it's hard to ignore the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles – had won the first half in their preseason games like 80 to, th- to 20 or something like that. I mean, just ridiculous what they've been doing in the first quarter when the starters have been in for the entire quarter 56 to 3 or something like that. It's, you know, you take it with a grain of salt because it is the preseason, but it's hard to ignore that that's what's been going on. And on the flip side with the Bears, it is the preseason. You have all this new stuff going on, the personnel, not everybody's playing, but. It's hard to ignore the fact that our that our defense our offense has had, you know, as far as the starters are concerned in the first half, about a dozen if not more uh, possessions, zero touchdowns. We did not score one touchdown with the starting unit. Whatever touchdowns we score against Green Bay, if we score one against the Packers uh, on Sunday, will be the first foot will be the first touchdown this team has scored with its starters. That'll be the first time the starters have reached the end zone. So, you know, and also the fact that uh, the defense has not looked, has shown flashes but not been consistent enough to make you believe, okay, these guys are ready. So, again, take the preseason for what you will with the preseason and a grain of salt because, you know, the Bears, I think, went 1-3 in 2010. We went to 11-5 and five and made it to the NFC title game. We went to the Super Bowl in 06. I think we were 1-3 or 2-2 two and, two and something like that you know, went to the Super Bowl that year and and so on. So take the preseason for what it is. It's just hard to ignore the inconsistency that we've seen from the Bears so far uh in the preseason. So so when we get to the predictions portion of the show, you guys might not like me very much, is what I'm saying. So but we'll uh we'll save that disappointment for the end of the show and uh you know wrap up talking about these uh the games, the three and the fourth. Third and the fourth uh, game against the Browns and the Bengals. You know, we got we got three wins in the preseason, always a good thing. You know, you wanna you you know, like John Fox was saying, you wanna make sure that the team is invested in the culture of winning. So winning the preseason games ultimately doesn't mean anything, but it is important for the locker room to come away with that positivity of a victory, uh, even in a in a game like the in even in the preseason. So 3 and 1 in the preseason so that's something to be optimistic about but now the games start counting so now it gets real and we've got the the realest team in the NFL <laughs> or at least the at the very least the realest team in our division coming into town on Sunday in the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers and even though they don't have Jordy Nelson uh, for the season with the torn ACL that he suffered against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in the, the second preseason game It's still Aaron Rodgers, um, and they still have Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams, and uh, they just signed James Jones. They brought him back into the fold after an unsuccessful stint in Oakland. They still have Eddie Lacy and everything else. So we've got plenty to contend with uh, with the uh, Packers next Sunday. And um, still trying to get it nailed down, but I think we are going to have Evan Western uh, from the Acme Packing Company on, on SB Nation for the preview episode to uh, to compare notes and uh, see what he expects from from his team when the Bears and the Packers take the field next Sunday. If not, it'll just be a regular old-fashioned preview episode with just me, the guy you all love most in this planet, giving you what's what for that game. So anyway, what do you say we go ahead and uh, allow me to introduce you to our beloved Chicago Bears, the 53-man roster for 2015. And since we missed the uh, the first cuts, I guess I can go ahead and, and tell you what those were. Um, bef- after the Cincinnati game and before the Cleveland game, we got rid of 12 players to get down to seventy-five and um you know the biggest one of all there of course was Tim Jennings, our longtime uh, you know, corner, two time pro bowler, led the NFL in interceptions a few years ago. Not suited for this system, I guess, and uh, you know, hasn't really shown up in, in in the preseason games and so on, and was I think number six to come off the bench against Cincinnati, which I guess told us everything we needed to know there. But uh he was the first one gone. Uh, the other 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 cuts, uh, Jeremy Kelly, the wide receiver, Rick Lovato, our backup long snapper, Al-Louis John, uh, who was a contributor for us last year, cornerback, he's gone, Olsen Pierre, the defensive lineman, tight end Kevin Green, offensive tackle Cameron Jefferson, tight end Chris Pentali, who we claimed off waivers from the Jets during the pre- offseason, uh, wide receiver Josh Childs, uh, running back Daniel Thomas is who we signed from the Dolphins. He came out for a tryout during OTAs and we signed him. Uh, we also uh, safety Malcolm Bronson uh, was cut as well. Ryan Mundy had a hip injury that sent him to injured reserve. So, so yeah, that happened, and then Sonoras Perry, with a foot injury, was put on injured reserve as well. And that's what got us down to nine or excuse me, got us down to 75 to go into that fourth and final preseason game uh, against the uh, Browns. Now so after that game goes in there, uh, we had a cornerback, uh, Anthony Jefferson, was placed on injured reserve, so that's how we lost the guy there. And then here come the cuts. Uh, Michael Ola. Offensive tackle or actually utility man for us started quite a few games for the Bears last year. Didn't hold up during the uh preseason. He's gone. The biggest surprise, even more so than Tim Jennings, Mason Foster, inside linebacker, that we you know, it was a story in Chicago for weeks about how the Bears are going back and forth in negotiations with Foster, finally settled on a one-year deal and he can't even get through training camp with the Bears. We're keeping him, or we're getting rid of him, and keeping Shea McClellan. I hope this is a move that doesn't hurt us in the long run because I heard that um, Shea McClellan was was less than spectacular uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, was out of position a lot, just like he was last year at outside linebacker, but I hope the Bears know what they're doing on that one. Um, other Other name cuts. Uh, Dante Rosario will not be around for a third season with the Bears David Bass um, he got cut as well at the outside linebacker just a log jam at outside linebacker it was going to be tough to make the roster to begin with uh, Jonathan Anderson announced uh, linebacker uh, Matthew Wells who we got in the trade for Ryan Groy we sent uh, Ryan Groy to New England and Matthew Wells was traded back to us Neither one of those guys made the team. Ryan Groy got cut from New England. Matthew Wells getting cut from the Bears. Uh, Quimaine Black, cornerback. Jacoby Glenn. Uh, Connor Buffelli, lo- offensive lineman, along with Tyler Moore, another offensive lineman. Defensive tackles Brandon Dunn and Terry Williams were cut. Zach Dysart, uh, who the Bears acquired just last Tuesday after he was claimed off waivers from the Broncos, a backup quarterback, I guess brought to challenge David Fales, um was brought in. He didn't make the squad. Uh, Rashad Lawrence, the wide receiver. Amodu also did not make the team. Tight end Gannon Sinclair. Uh, outside linebacker Kyle Westman. David Carter. Tight end Bear Pasco, and uh, kick returner from the Arena Football League, AJ Cruz. I kind of had a soft spot for him, not because he's from the Arena League, but because he played for the LA Kiss, and anyone who knows the show knows that Kiss is my favorite band, so just a weird you know thing there uh now on to the actual roster uh i want to preface this by saying that uh, jeremiah ratliff and kevin white aren't on the 53-man roster their roster spots don't count right now because kevin white is on the physically unable to perform list jeremiah ratliff is you know he doesn't count while he is on suspension so here we go from top to bottom quarterbacks jay Jimmy Clawson, David Fales, no real surprises there. Running backs kind of gave that one away already. Matt Forte, Jeremy Langford, Jacquiz Rogers, Kadim Carey. On the wide receiver side, we kept six wide receivers. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Eddie Royal, Josh Bellamy, Mark Mariani, Cameron Meredith, and Marquise Williams, I think Cameron Meredith being the big surprise there. The uh, undrafted rookie free agent from Illinois State, the former quarterback in college, making the Bears roster as a wide receiver. Uh, Tight ends, we only kept three, even though there was a lot of talk about the Bears maybe keeping four since we're not keeping a uh, fullback uh, this year. Martellus Bennett, obviously. Zach Miller, the guy that showed all the promise in the world in the last preseason but got injured in that second game uh, last year, makes the roster this year. And Kari Lee, who the Bears acquired in a trade with the Houston Texans for a 2017 draft choice. So not even a pick that's going to affect us next year. But the year after, anyone who's watched the Hard Knocks uh, HBO uh, show, Kari Lee was the guy that did that killer impression of Bill O'Brien on rookie, rookie show night or whatever. That's Kari Lee. He uh, made the roster as a tight end uh, for the Bears. On the offensive line, we kept nine offensive linemen. Uh, Jermont Bushrod, Vladimir Dukas, our uh, draft choice Tayo Fabuluje, Jaronis Grasu, another draft pick, Charles Lino, kyle long will montgomery and matt slauson and when the roster was originally set jordan mills had made the roster as an offensive lineman for the bears however the bears claimed patrick Om- Omema? oma 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 uh, however i'm gonna i don't know i was i was talking about trying to get in touch with sandra phillips find out how to pronounce that he played for the buccaneers was a starter for all 16 games last year didn't make the team for them this year the bears claimed him off of waivers and when they did the corresponding roster move was to cut jordan mills so the bears have cut jordan mills loose he's basically on a downward spiral ever since he hurt his foot in that in the 2013 finale against green bay you know it's like he was never fully healthy in 2014 it nagged him all the way through and I guess he was just never able to get back to where the Bears needed him to be. And uh, right now he is looking for his new home uh, in the NFL. It's unfortunate, but um, you know Jordan Mills no longer with the Chicago Bears. Uh, on the defensive side, we only kept five defensive linemen uh, at for the for the moment: Ego Ferguson, Eddie Goldman, Jarvis Jenkins, Will Sutton, and Cornelius Washington. That six-round draft choice from 2012, that kid is just hanging on, man. He is just hanging on. He's barely made the team the last couple of years, and this year he sneaks in one more time. Uh, outside linebackers, with our with our new defensive setup, there is a big difference between the two now. Outside linebackers, we kept five. Uh, Sam Acho, Jared Allen, Lamar Houston, Pernell McPhee, and Willie Young, we ended up hanging on to Willie Young, even though there was a lot of talk about how, number one, he wasn't going to make the team, or that the Bears, before the deadline at 3 o'clock on Saturday, were furiously trying to trade him uh, to try to get something for him because they weren't going to keep him. Instead, decide to be s- safe than sorry because we have the cap room. Willie Young stays, he makes the team as an offensive uh, outside linebacker. Inside linebackers, Jonathan Bostic. Uh, Christian Jones, Shay McClellan, John Timu, the undrafted free agent. His big highlight of the preseason was in the first game against the um, Dolphins. He made this really great play where, number one, his coverage was outstanding, but then he got an arm in there, the ball popped up in the air, had the presence of mind to keep his eyes on the football, came down with it uh, with an interception. Apparently he's done enough, uh, at least on special teams, to, uh, to show that he's uh, going to be a contributor. The Bears hang on to him uh, in, in, uh, instead of, uh, you know, well, any of the other guys that they got, But, uh, you know, instead of Mason Foster, actually, I guess would be the, the bigger one. Uh, John Timu obviously, being an undrafted rookie free agent, a much uh, cheaper option than Mason Foster would be, but still um, quite a surprise there. Cornerbacks, we kept seven cornerbacks, 11 DBs overall, seven cornerbacks. uh, Allen Ball, Kyle Fuller will most likely be our starters. Uh, Undrafted rookie Bryce Callahan, Demontre Hurst sticks around, Sheriff McManus, who's probably going to be our nickelback, Uh, Terrence Mitchell, who had an awesome interception against the Colts uh, at one point, and Tracy Porter, uh, the Super Bowl hero of the Saints-Colts Super Bowl and Super Bowl forty-four. He uh, intercepted the, the, the pass that basically put the game away uh, for the Saints. Um, on the safety side, we got Adrian Amos, Sherrod Martin, Antro Roll, and Brock Vereen. However, the Bears claimed Harold jones Harold Corte from the Arizona Cardinals off waivers and cut Sherrod Martin as the corresponding roster move. So jones Corte joins Amos, Roll, and Brock Vereen, not the most intimidating group of safeties hopefully we'll be able to uh, make it work uh, during the season and then finally our specialists Thomas Gafford will be our long snapper our long and short snapper I guess you could say Robbie Gold of course our kicker and then Pat O'Donnell second year punter out of the U Um, so far uh, we've only named five guys to the practice squad Uh, linebacker Jonathan Anderson, nose tackle Terry Williams, wide receiver Ifeo Omodu, tight end uh, Gannon Sinclair. And then the interesting one was running back Paul Lasiki, L-A-S-I-K-A, Lasik Lasiki I I think is how it's pronounced. Um, He was from BYU, and he was, uh, I don't know, maybe if the Bears are trying to jump on a trend here, but uh, for anyone who's been following the league, the 49ers in particular, really the only thing the 49ers have to be excited about as far as going into the season is the fact that the rugby player that they signed, um, Hain, uh, the running back, who's had some awesome highlights for them, he made the team. He made the team for the 49ers. This kid here, uh, Paul Lasiki, a running back from BYU who actually played college football, is another rugby guy turned. Uh, football player so you know I saw his highlight reel it was actually kind of impressive so we'll see if maybe we can he can catch on be a special teams guy or whatever but right now he's on the practice squad that's only five you can sign up to 10 so once we know who those other five guys are maybe we'll know during the uh, preview episode here in a few days uh, who that's going to be but for now we've only got five of the 10 slots uh, taken uh, on the practice squad and that for now folks That's your 2015 Chicago Bear roster. Um, Yeah, so those are the guys that we're going to battle with next Sunday against the Green Bay Packers, and, hell, that might even change between now and then if, you know, some other waiver wire things happen. The Bears make a trade here and there. Um, You know, the one thing that you can look at is that, um, you know, Fox and Pace are definitely put their, putting their stamp on this thing. We had a handful of guys, uh, you know, undrafted rookie free agents make the team. Um, you know, you got Cameron Meredith, uh, Kari Lee, the guy that we just traded for, uh, late-round draft picks, Fabaluge, Charles Lino, those are sixth- and seventh-round picks uh, over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Cornelius Washington is still hanging on. You know John Timu, the the linebacker, another undrafted free. Bryce Callahan, another undrafted rookie free agent. Uh, so you know it's it's you know John Fox likes those guys and he's had success with them in the past in Carolina and in Denver. So hopefully he's looking to perform some of that magic here in chicago as well uh the one bit of bad news uh we had a chance to try to get david bass back and on the practice squad after we cut him but unfortunately he was claimed off the waiver wire by the tennessee titans so i guess the david bass era in chicago is over so um he's going to go off and see what he can do for the tennessee titans and (laughs) in hilarious hilarious news not so much because it's just Tim Jennings, we cut him, as you know. Uh, Who does he sign with, of course? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I guess Lovey just, you know, I appreciate what Tim Jennings does, what he did for us, how well he played. He he definitely exceeded expectations for kind of being one of those throwaway signings, uh, you know, just to get him on the roster. He became a starter for us. Went to a couple of Pro Bowls he produced for us. Unfortunately, um, you know, last year and the year before just wasn't, uh, you know, actually more last year, 2014, just really wasn't enough to snuff. Wasn't able to carry the load after Peanut went down week two. And, you know, becoming the guy as far as the corner is concerned. um, Wasn't really able to handle it. Uh, Had uh, some issues with some injuries during the offseason. Wasn't able to participate and all the workouts and everything and was I guess slow to catch up during uh preseason so the bears uh you know in an in an effort to go in a different direction they let Tim Jennings go and Lovey just likes living the past. He brought in Henry Melton and Chris Conti. Uh you know pretty much anybody the bears have jettisoned the Lovey's at least taken a look at him. So Tim Jennings joins uh Chris Conti and Henry Melton out there in Tampa Bay and we'll see how that uh see how that all works out so um just uh you know it's like tampa bay should just start calling themselves chicago south because that's that's pretty much what it is in its own funny little way so anyway those are the 53 men that we're going to war with this sunday against the packers and like i said that could definitely change uh in the next five days or so before the game actually takes place but uh for now those are the those are the chicago bears that's who we got and um you know, we'll see how it all works out, folks. I mean, I just went into this a few minutes ago about uh, what we've seen in the preseason. It's kind of hard to ignore that uh, the Bears haven't been very good, let alone great at all. So uh, it's um, it's going to be interesting. You know, it's you take the preseason with a grain of salt, but like I said, it's been hard to ignore what we have seen and what we haven't seen from the Bears thus far. So who knows? Maybe maybe Eddie Royal, Alshon Jeffrey, and Marquise Wilson will come out and, like, like bats out of hell against the Packers and light up the scoreboard and the defense will uncork some, some blitzes and stuff that they weren't showing us in the preseason and just blow Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers out of the water. Wouldn't that just be fantastic? But just going based on what we have been able to see up to this point, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, guys. I don't know, and I'm scared. So <laughs> we'll have to see how it all goes. But until... Anyth- until further notice, these are the guys that we're going to war with. So these are the guys that are hopefully going to bring us happiness and glory in our Sundays in 2015. So so there's our roster. Those are the guys that we're, uh, that we're taking into this thing uh, with us uh, this year. What we're going to do now is uh, bring in my good friend Ron Rugg from Football is America to kind of give get his take on what the roster is, and then we're going to move in to um, – to our predictions and the picks that stick for 2015 come on, come on. all right and here to join us and break down and analyze this 53-man roster as it stands for now because the way that this organization has been making moves and such it could change by the time this conversation is over from Football is America, my good friend Ron Rugg. How we doing, Ron?
2: Good. How are you doing, Larry?
1: Oh, not too bad. Welcome to the show. I'm finally having you on my show instead of the other way around for the last, what, four months, however long it's uh, been. Um, been joining you and Kyle on the Football is America show. I finally get to have you on the show, and I'm, I'm sure that I'll hear it from Kyle that we didn't bring him along.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to rub it in his face. It's going to be great. <laughs>
1: right. So... Um, so the 53 man roster is out, uh, just went over it, uh, for everybody kind of breaking down who we kept and, uh, and, uh, and who we, who we got rid of and everything. What, what stands out for you, uh, as far as the, the roster as it stands right now?
2: Well, I think the best way to des- to describe it for me was that transition in,
1: mm-hmm.
2: especially defensively, they're transitioning from, and they're doing a hard transition from a Four three two or three four a team that has been traditionally four three for years really? and yeah. yeah and the players that they had on roster that they basically have to plug and play into a new scheme entirely is is it's tough so now they have to kind of look at the waiver wire see who's going to be dropped so a lot of the a lot of the waivers and cuts and stuff that have been ma- being made over the last few weeks and or so the. And then, what's happened to cut down to this 53 man roster over the last few days? It's not over. It's going to continue to rotate, I think, probably up until I would say the day before the first game of the year, just because they got holes to fill. You got your thin at linebacker, you're thin at defensive line because of Jay, the Jay Ratliff uh, suspension. There's just a lot to do defensively. We all know as Bears fans that the defense has been atrocious, mm-hmm. and fixing that is a priority especially for John Fox, and the way to do that is to just find out who's the best guy out there. So they're going to be going out looking for what other teams are cutting people that they can bring in that have experience in that defense in order to do that, which is why some of the roster cuts that were made over the last few days were surprising, like the Mason Foster cut and, and stuff like that. I, I was super surprised to see him get cut, mm-hmm. and you know we were discussing before that it has to be something like he didn't want to play special teams or something like that. That's the only thing I can think of.
1: Right. And especially, and I I did mention this before was that um, not so much that Foster didn't beat out McClellan, which I think is something we were all hoping for. um, But the fact that they kept John Timu, the undrafted rookie free agent instead of Mason Foster. And I do think that the special teams factor came into play when choosing between those two players. I mean, aside from it being financial, because, obviously, Timu, is, as an unrestricted rookie free agent, is going to be a lot less expensive than Mason Foster. But Foster was only making just over a million dollars uh, to play this year, which in the NFL is almost nothing. Uh, you know, obviously, Timu was maybe making maybe half that. Um, but also the fact that he's probably going to be playing majority of special teams uh, is if he doesn't see the field much this year, I think was a big factor as to why Mason Foster was let go.
2: Well, and the other thing that surprises me is that they didn't want to keep a veteran at that position at all. I mean, you've got Shane McClellan moving over to this position, who is now playing out of position in a traditional defense that he should be playing outside linebacker in, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a second. And we'll, you know, high five over how much we. We how many problems we have with Shea McClellan in general. But yep. you now you have Christian Jones, who I think is a decent inside linebacker, but he's a complimentary guy. He is no star at that position. And mm-hmm. then you have John Bostic, who is banged up in the preseason and through the offseason, and you have John Timu, who is primarily pretty much just going to be a special teams guy. I don't if he's on the field as a starter, then we have a lot of problems there. Yep. And they most likely, if he's on the field as a starter, it's because somebody got hurt in that game and plan on them signing a veteran by that next week. Right. And I, I just don't understand not having a veteran there with four guys there. You only have four at middle linebacker where traditionally you would have five or six at this position. And then you would have, you know, one, one or two of those five or six guys are guys that could also rotate out to the outside position if you needed them to. And they have, they have, inexperience that's it that's that's all i can say is that they have inexperience it's not we don't know if it'll be good or bad but to me it i i have to look at it and say i'm worried
1: yeah and we also ended up keeping willie young when all the talk of the last you know couple of weeks was willie young being the odd man out with uh you know sam Acho actually being an outside linebacker in in arizona and playing well so far in, in the in the preseason, Pernell McPhee—he was our big free agent signing, uh, our marquee guy. Lamar Houston, as embarrassing as he was a year ago, you know, he was a three-four guy in Oakland, and then Jared Allen, probably for financial reasons more than anything, is the reason that he's still on the roster, even though he's, you know, gone from being a defensive end for 12 years to now being an outside linebacker. It just seemed like Willie Young was the odd man out. There was talk about Saturday before the the deadline. Uh, for the rosters to be announced, that the Bears were probably trying to trade him, and if they couldn't trade him, they would let him go, and in the end, they ended up hanging on to him.
2: Yeah, I, I think the big one that you talk about there is Jared Allen. He there's a lot of concern for people um, it, with him playing that outside linebacker spot everybody says "Well, oh, he there's no way he can do it. it it seems like there's there's just only two factions there's no gray area you have the people who say he can absolutely do it and there's the people who say he has absolutely zero shot of being successful what a lot of people don't realize is if you go back and you look at his time with the vikings there was a few years where he dropped back into coverage almost as many times as he pass rushed mm-hmm. and he's actually pretty good at it and if what you're asking him to do is drop into coverage just in the flat or in, you know, right there in the short game covering the check down guy, stuff like that. I think he can do that. I don't think there's any problem. I'm not asking him, you're not going to ask him to cover a a tight end on the seam. That's not going to happen. That's going to be what Pernell McPhee does. And then that's what your safety comes down to help you with. People are all concerned about him covering receivers. I'm like, Jared Allen's not going to recover receivers. That's not what he's there for. He's going to be covering the, the running backs out of the backfield and a tight end hitting the flat or hitting, um, you know, a, a short out route or something like that. That's what his job is going to be. And when you look at our division specifically, people are all worried, well, the tight ends are going to tear us up. I'm like, wh- who are the tight ends in the NFC North? Look at it. Does, the, does Green Bay have a tight end? They have a tight end who likes to get himself in trouble, and Andrew Corliss, and they have Richard Rodgers, who's a young guy who's unproven. The Vikings have Kyle Rudolph, who I haven't heard anything outstanding come out of him for at least five years. Yeah. And then... The Lions have Eric Ebron, who you don't have to worry about because he can't catch the football anyway. Right. <laughs> so I, it, it's not a, it's not as big of a deal. You should be more worried about Eddie Lacy, Adrian Peterson, who doesn't catch the football out of the backfield either. And th- really, the the running back that scares me the most against Jared Allen is probably Amir Abdullah. Yeah. Because that's a shifty guy who could actually get out and beat him. And but I think with Jared Allen's length and his and his ability to hit the flat just as fast as he can get into the backfield, I don't see as big a problem. In my opinion, I think the bigger problem at outside linebacker is probably Lamar Houston just because of his size. He's not as fast because of his size. Mm. And I'm not worried about the Willie Young. I think Willie Young is situational only. That's, that's his only job is to be situational. He's a five-technique guy that sits out, on, sits out on the edge and rushes the passer on on third and five or more. That's it. So uh, people are, are up in arms about that. I don't think that that's as big of a deal. The outside linebacker core, in my opinion, is probably the most sound position on the defense <laughs> right now. <laughs> when you look at it, there's not a whole lot of injury. There's experience. There's some veterans. There's some young guys. You, didn't, you don't have too much money wrapped in it. Maybe a little bit more in fee than most people like. I don't, I don't have as much of a problem with it, in my opinion.
1: Right. The other thing that kind of stood out for me on the defensive side was the fact that we kept seven cornerbacks uh, and only four safeties when safety has been such a problem for the Bears, especially in in recent history. The last four or five years, especially, we've been, you know, such a shaky spot for the Bears with with all that we've had with Major Wright and and God, don't even get me started on Chris Conte and just the, (laughs) the mess just the mess that the safety position has been in, and yet it's it's probably the weakest and most shallow position on the defense itself.
2: Well, the safety position—it's weird, only because at this point, Bears fans can only go can only go up in their feelings for the safety position, <laughs> considering True. what it's been over the last four years. It has been bad. I mean, Chris Conte was probably one of the worst NFL safeties outside. Of, like, I think it was Todd Johnson a while back. Do you remember him?
1: (laughs) But Todd Johnson was a guy that came into duty because of injury. It wasn't something that, you know, well, this is the best of what we have. So Todd Johnson goes out there. Todd Johnson was playing because I think he was like third on the depth chart and he was out there because, you know, he was a special teams player that just happened to be on the roster and the guys in front of him went down. You know, Chris Conte, he was the best of what we had. So that's why we were putting him out there. That's what made it so bad was that we were stuck with Chris Conte no matter what.
2: Right, but that's what it's, that's what it tells you, is that the evaluation of a guy who was as good as a third-string safety, <laughs> the third-string safety prior to him, that should yeah. tell you something. Right. I mean, when he's getting run over as the starter by every single thing that comes his way, and don't get me wrong, Chris Conte had some very decent coverage ability. He had he some very impressive pass coverage ability in some games. I saw him make some incredible grabs, but the guy can't stay healthy and he cannot tackle. It's yeah. just, he just can't do it. So good luck in Tampa Bay. I'm sure, you know, lovey Smith will do something to make all of the bucks fans mad with, with him. So th- that's good for him. I think when you look at who we have at safety, it Rolle, He's a vast improvement over what we've had
0: yeah. and
2: he's older. Uh, we should have got him a few years ago when he was available. We didn't, uh, but we tried, can pl- but we failed. Right. I think the big thing you can look at with Antro Roll is that he can actually play both things you need a safety to play. He can play both coverage and run decently. And that's really what Bears fans want. They want consistency out of the position. Free safety is going to be a little tougher. Brock Vereen, he didn't have a very good showing in the preseason, so Adrian Amos took over for him. I just I think when you look at what they have at safety, you also have to consider that just yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, but they picked up Harold Jones-Quarty. Quarty, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, you've got some movement there. And also when you're looking at corners, you said, you know, seven corners, that's a lot. Well, McManus, Mitchell, and Porter can all play that safety position as well, that free safety position. Yeah, I think think...
1: what stuck out for me, sorry, was that, you know, Bryce Callahan, another rookie free agent. And I know Fox has an affinity for these guys because – he had the, the the Chris Harris in in in, the, in Denver that ended up being a Pro Bowl Pro Bowler for him or anything. So I look, he's, think he's trying to, you know, catch lightning in a bottle again with one of these guys. But it's like usually, you know, just traditionally as as a Bears fans, you know, for me doing the show the last few years, I've been able to watch the roster a bit more closely. It's usually more of a six and five split or a five and five split as far as the corners and safeties for the Bears and seven to four you know, just heavy in that cornerback ratio. I just kind of, kind of stood out for me.
2: I I think a lot of what you'll see out of the defense with the three, four set is you'll either see a lot of single high safety or you'll see a lot of three safety. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to see a lot of cover two, too deep half, you know, split the field type of safeties. I don't think we're going to see a lot of that. I think that a lot of it's going to be zone blitz, uh, Three, four, just get to the quarterback type. And, and Antro Roll is going to kind of be out there to make sure the run support happens. And then whoever the free safety is, is going to kind of have to swing. And I think that's, they. I think they realize that they have a better, better shot at covering with corners than they do to re, at relying on safeties. So I think we'll see a lot of nickel. I think we'll see a lot of single high safety with a nickel or single high safety with Antro Roll down and a nickel. or And th- that's why I'm not too super concerned about the inside linebacker spot because I would assume that in those kind of positions, like either McPhee or uh you're gonna have like McPhee or um Christian Jones or something like that slide in to take over that that linebacker spot in those you know deep coverage sets and stuff like that. I don't I don't think you're gonna have as much problem um safety-wise as what a lot of people think. I know that's it's, it's a really it's a really stinging subject for Bears fans because it's been so bad for years. I just think that the position is going to improve drastically just because of the defensive scheme and ancho role.
1: Right. Okay. So on the offensive side, not a lot of surprises. Um, you know, Clausen, Cutler, and Fales being the quarterbacks. Um, I really love our running back core this year. For, for a long yeah. time, it's been Matt Forte and then three special teamers, and the guy that's supposed to be second string sees the field once every millennia if he's lucky kind of thing. I really think we've got a deep running back core that we're going to see a lot of equal share. I mean, obviously, you know, Forte is going to get the lion's share of the runs, but I don't think that if we run the ball 25 times, it'll be 20 times for Forte and then, you know, two times for this one guy and then one time for, this, for the other guy. I think it'll probably be a bit more uh, split out than, than it has been uh in the past.
2: Yeah, I obviously Matt Forte, like you said, he's gonna get pretty much the the, the workhorse load there. I think Jaquiz Rogers I, I think what they're gonna plan on doing is Jaquiz Rogers can run between the tackles really well. Something that Matt Forte who he's he's he a good runner, at, he but he's not he's it. not he's not a between the center and guard kind of guy. No. Jaquiz Rogers is. Yeah. So when you need that short yardage, you you pull in Rogers, you put him in there, and you let him run out there. I think Jeremy Langford is kind of a safety blanket in case something happens to Matt Forte. He's mm-hmm. thirty. He's had some injuries that uh, have devastated the entire team for the whole year. We've seen—I mean, the production come, drops off completely with him gone. I mean, the guy's a two thousand yards from scrimmage kind of guy, or can be every year. So I think Jeremy Langford's kind of their insurance policy with Matt Forte. They think that he can kind of be the very a very similar type of running back. And then Kadim Carey, I think. He just makes the roster simply because Cinneris Perry's <laughs> injury. Yeah. Season injury, season ending injury. I think otherwise Perry would have gotten the the, the job here because he's a better special teamer. Yep. He's uh he's better out of the backfield and he's a much better blocker, which is something also that Jacuz Rogers does very, very well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Jacuz Rogers on a lot of third down, third and long type stuff blocking or being the check down guy. Um if you see Matt Forte out there in a shotgun set, that's normal. That means, you know, screen plays are available. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. But Jacuz Rodgers in there, That most of the time that's going to be because they want him to block.
1: Right. Now, our wide receivers we ended up keeping six wide receivers, um, and this is probably more so because the, the up-front guys are hurt, are banged up or whatever. Like, we haven't seen Alshon Jeffrey yet. Eddie Royal was out with a hip injury. Marquise Wilson, you know, pulled his hamstring against the – cold. So our starting wide receivers for that Cincinnati game, the dress rehearsal game was Josh Bellamy, Mark Mariani and, and, you know, like Rashad Lawrence, not even Cameron Meredith, who actually made the roster. Rashad Lawrence did not. So, you know, we we kept six wide receivers and only three tight ends, uh, where our tight end position now kind of looks like our running back position has for the last few years. We have Martellus Bennett and then a couple of guys who are probably going to be more on special teams than on actually on the field, um, Zach Miller being the big, you know, sweetheart from last year, but hasn't really blown anybody's hair back this this year. And then of course the Kari Lee, the trade that we made with the Texans uh, to get him uh, on the roster to kind of round out our our receiving core.
2: The I think the what surprises me the most about the tight end position is that it's. Bennett and Bennett only. It's kind of, you know, you're gonna live and die by that guy there. I think mm-hmm. Zach Miller has has a lot that he can contribute, but he's yes. no blocker. Right. And neither is Kari Lee. He's young, he's young, he's tall, and he's only 235 pounds. Mm-hmm. And he can block down on safeties and corners, but he's not he's not blocking, you know, uh Clay Matthews. He's not blocking Mike Neal. He's not blocking those guys. You know, so I think it's interesting and why I think they kind of kept uh, the people they did offensive line wise, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of big sets that way with an eligible eligible receiver that way. Mm-hmm. But the the tight end position, what I think people are are overlooking is that Zach Miller is a very very good pass catcher. Yeah. And I I wouldn't be surprised that if there really isn't a tight end position, not in a traditional sense, and that they use Martellus Bennett more as like a Jimmy Graham type type of set you know they they split him out wide quite a bit, he might block down on a on a corner here or there, but for the most part he's going to be running those seam routes, those hook middle routes, and he's going to be running those fade routes from the weak side slot side and I, I that's honestly how I see it going. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the outside and Eddie Royal moving into the slot just to kind of create the mismatches there
1: yeah, and then we move on to the offensive line, and the big news on the offensive line uh Jordan Mills. Not so much that Jordan Mills got cut. I don't think many people were too surprised with that considering everything that's been going on there. And then basically he just has never recovered from that foot injury. He suffered at the end of the 2013 season because he was battling it all year in 2014. And then obviously this year, for whatever reason, just never could uh, come around. I think it's more so what it means than anything was Jordan Mills being cut. We picked up Patrick Omeme or however you pronounce his name, we'll have to learn that. But the fact that Mills is gone, that we picked up this, this guy that was a guard for the, um, for the Buccaneers last year, most likely means that Kyle Long is moving to the outside at right tackle. Uh, Vladimir Dukas, who was a free agent signing for us, probably takes his spot uh, at right guard, and that's, you know... Bushrod, you know, from left to right, Bushrod, Slauson, uh, Montgomery in the middle, then Dukas, and then Long on the outside is probably the five that we're going to be seeing on Sunday when we play Green Bay.
2: I, the, the Jordan Mills thing, a lot of people have emailed us, specifically me because they know I'm a Bears fan, and they've been asking uh, what I thought about the Jordan Mills cut. I liked it. I didn't think he was – I thought he had a lot of talent. I think he lacks a lot of strength and movement, especially because of that injury. And I, I wasn't surprised by him being cut. I was actually kind of happy it happened because it forces them to move Kyle along the tackle, which I think is kind of the plan, been the plan this whole time is get him prepped to be a left tackle. Bushrod's not going to be around forever. And I think this is a, the first step into let's see how he plays at right tackle. Let's see how he can pass protect. Let's see how he can run block. And let's see if he can, we can move him to left tackle in the near future because some of these guys are older. Jermon Bushrod is, he, he's not as old as the rest of them, but I mean, Slauson's up there and Will Montgomery's up there. Will Montgomery's just kind of a placeholder at this point. Yeah. He, he's he got his own injury history. And I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if he struggles to see Grasu in there, because I think they would rather if they're going to have somebody struggle, it'd be a rookie to get some experience rather than Will Montgomery, a veteran sitting in there just huffing and puffing. Right. So I, I would, I would guess that, you're completely right on the the line from left to right, but I would say by the end of the season, we could possibly see Grasso. And uh, I, I don't know about DeCasse. I'm it's i not a big fan of his. I would rather, if we're going to run the ball to the right, like what Fox seems to want to really do, I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick O'Meme is the one in there.
1: Right. I'm just saying that, you know, here it is. It's week one. We just picked the guy up off the street. I don't think he's going to be the day one starter. For us, I mean, stranger things have happened in the league right. uh, before, but I, I don't, I don't see the Bears doing that uh, right away. I mean, I, I could see it, you know, week three, week four, maybe him coming in there if, if Ducasse isn't uh, holding up his uh, holding up his end. I can see that happening, especially since uh Omeme has, you know, recently anyway. He started all 16 games last year. I don't think Ducasse has done that once in his career. So um, I
2: also, I really like the Fabulouge. Yeah, uh, Pick yeah. as well I, A lot of people aren't paying attention to him Because he's pretty much I mean he's a step away from pretty much being a s- Practice squad tackle <laughs> But I, I was surprised that they didn't Try and push him into a guard position Just because of size alone mm-hmm. I mean the guy's 342 pounds The guy is huge And, he, and watching his tape He moves great for a guy That size and he's got a lot of power to him And I wouldn't be surprised If that's the guy you see swing in on some of the big power sets when they do want to run goal line, like down by the goal line or they do need to run short yardage and they're not going to use a tight end to block. Don't be surprised if that's the guy that comes in to help seal that edge off.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So I think that's just about everybody. I mean, Robbie Gold, Patrick O'Donnell, Thomas Gafford, no real surprises there with our with our specialists. So anything else jump out at you?
2: Um, No, I would say uh, the, the – Going back to wide receivers, the Cameron Meredith—that's a really cool story there. Uh, If people get a chance, you know, go online. There's they had a meet the rookies uh, section on him on the Chicago Bears website. That was pretty cool. He he's underrated in my opinion a lot, just because he has a lot of knowledge. And people that from what I can remember and from the experience of watching the NFL is that a lot of wide receivers that were quarterbacks to begin with have just something a little bit extra at the wide receiver position that some wideouts just don't have. It's kind of like Richard Sherman having played wide receiver before going, switching to a defender. You just have a little bit something extra predictability-wise to know where to go. If you watch some of the catches he makes, he, get, he got thrown a lot of catches in college in traffic. Some of them when he just got hammered and he still hung on to the ball because he knew exactly where to be for his quarterback because he had been a quarterback before playing that position knowing that he had to throw the ball at this specific spot and he hoped that his receiver caught it. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like him. I hope to see him on the football field more than most. I think that he could f- kind of fill in for that Kevin White not being there position so that Eddie Royal could slide in if Alshon Jeffrey is healthy. Yeah. And he could kind of play, They those two could play the outsides with Eddie Royal on the inside or Marcus Wilson on the outside with Eddie Royal on the inside. It I, That's kind of what I'm hoping for. I He had a lot of good chemistry with backup quarterbacks. I, Jay Cutler didn't seem to get a lot of chemistry with people but let's be honest Jake doesn't always get a lot of chemistry with a lot of people so right. it's 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 going to be interesting offensively just because of injury alone like you said
1: all right so that's the roster as it stands like i said uh, or like we said actually this thing could change uh or could have already changed by the time we've uh, had this conversation here uh it definitely could be different by the time you know thursday or friday uh, rolls around. Some of these guys could be on the street looking for work and somebody else is wearing their number and that kind of thing but this is this is who we're going to battle with for now. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hope that these guys can put it together and, and make something happen although uh, yeah, I don't know. Week
2: one against the Packers. Let's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh and then week two
1: against uh, Arizona and week three against Seattle so yeah. <laughs> holy hell. But uh, Anyway, so we'll move on from that to the the main event of this pre finale episode uh, that I do every year is what we call the picks that stick uh, portion uh, of the show. And basically, we're going to break down the league and how we think right here, right now, it's all going to uh, turn out. So, I mean, a year ago, I could not have been more wrong about the teams that I picked to go to the Super Bowl. I picked the Saints and the Broncos to go to the Super Bowl last year with the, uh, with the Broncos winning it. And... Uh, yeah that that didn't happen at all the saints didn't even make the playoffs and yeah so that's how much weight you should give to these predictions that i'm about to give here ron's going to join me here uh for this uh as well and let's just uh let's just break it right down with the uh the nfc east um i have uh philly dallas the giants and the redskins philly finishing on top at 11 and five
2: i have the exact same thing i i actually put if I'm going to pick the Eagles, I'm probably going to pick them a little bit more. I think that they can sweep at least two of the teams in the division. I I don't foresee them losing to the Giants, at least right now. I definitely don't see them losing to the Redskins. I think they could split with the Cowboys. And then the way that their schedule is set up, I I just don't see them losing a lot of home games just because of the advantage they have with Chip Kelly's speeded offense.
1: Right. So, yeah. So they're in there as well. The, uh, we'll save the North for last. The AFC South... Uh, going with Atlanta at ten and six, New Orleans nine and seven, Carolina seven and nine, which I think is generous on my part, and then Tampa Bay at five and eleven in the South.
2: Yeah, I put actually I put the Saints last, and that's only because of the the turnover that they've had this year. And I just think the fire sale that went on. I think the age of Drew Brees. I don't trust the defensive scheme or the players that can't stay healthy there. I picked the Falcons to go first. I picked the Panthers to go second, but I put the Bucks over the Saints. But uh, I think it's going to be kind of a situation like we had discussed before that it's going to be like where they both have the same record. You know, they might both be six and ten or seven and nine or you know five and eleven, whatever. And it's just the Bucks have the tiebreaker. That's kind of the way I pictured it.
1: Right. And then on the NFC West, you got Seattle in first, twelve and four. Arizona ten and six. Seattle at five hundred or excuse me, St. Louis at five hundred, and then San Francisco, I think is just a dumpster fire waiting to happen at three and thirteen this year.
2: Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more there. I uh, there's just no way that I see the 49ers beating out any of the other teams right, right now.
1: Yeah, it's 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 just gonna when when the biggest thing that you have to look forward is a rugby player that made the roster, you're you're in big trouble. You're just that's yeah, that's just horrible things waiting to happen in San Francisco. Now onto our division, the NFC North. Um, uh, as a bear fan, you know you toil <laughs> over this, but uh, you know as a football fan, you you can't ignore what else what is going on here. Uh, Green Bay in first at twelve and four. As much as it pains me to say, I have Minnesota at ten and six. Uh, Detroit five hundred eight and eight. They just When's the last time Detroit made back to back playoff appearances? I just don't the, the, the history is against them on this one, not to mention everything that they lost on the defensive side of the ball. I think they'll, you know, they'll be a little more stable in the run game this year with Abdullah and, and things like that, but I just think they're gonna lose it on the back end with defense. And then the Bears, seven and nine, and you know, it's probably gonna be closer to five and eleven or six and ten. But when I broke down the schedule I, didn't, I did a kind of a general thing. I, I did not so much a week-to-week analysis of the schedule, but more so, okay, we got six games in the NFC North. I think we can go, you know, like three and three, two and four is probably what, what's going to happen there. Probably get swept by the Packers and then split with Minnesota and Detroit. So that's two and four. Uh, we're playing the NFC West. I'll take wins over the 49ers and the Rams and... Probably be wrong about the Rams game, but I'll just take that and then losing to Arizona and <laughs> Seattle. So two and two there. Then we have the NFC, the, excuse me, the AFC West. Um, I think we'll be, well, honestly, we'll probably be one and three against the AFC West with, right. with the one win coming against Oakland, but we got to play Kansas City in Kansas City, have to play San Diego in San Diego on Monday night where the Bears generally suck. And then we got Denver And the Broncos are the Broncos, you know, regardless of where we play them. And then our same place games is kind of what got me to seven, which is we're playing the Redskins and the Buccaneers. And I just like the Bears better than both of those teams. So seven and nine is where I fall. But we'll see how it actually unfolds when the season gets underway.
2: Uh, For the North, I definitely have the Packers, but I actually brought them down one just because I think that the Jordy Nelson loss really affects that, the way that offense is planned, because I just don't think that there's somebody who can find the open area on a football field, any on any other team, like Jordy Nelson can. And I mm-hmm. think the law lo- his loss knocks them down a peg. I still think that they win the division easily, but I, I'm putting them at an 11 and five, and then I put the Vikings at 10 and six, and then I put the Lions a little bit higher. I put them at nine and seven, but still missing the playoffs. I just a lot of people are talking about, oh, they lost so much on defense. They only lost two players. They're returning nine of eleven starters. Hmm. They're they're they only lost Sue and um, fairly fairly. That's it. Like everybody else, they're returning. And I mean DeAndre Levy, uh, Stephen Tolix coming back. All of those guys are great players. I not gonna I'm not gonna just shrug at their defense. It's it's gonna be it's still a tough defense to get around. I think the biggest liability. Much like the Bears, some sometimes is their quarterback. I think Matthew Stafford. It's whenever he's on, it's amazing. And whenever he's off, it's horrible. And I think that's the live and die by him, really. And that's why I put them third. And I, I have the Bears at five and eleven. I just, and I know that we differ. I, we've talked, you know, at length about this before, Larry. I just, I cannot see them splitting with any team in our division except for the Lions because it just seems like we always split with the Lions and I just with the defense that we have the transition that we're gonna be going through the injuries that will most likely pile up by the time we play the Vikings a second time as long as Adrian Peterson's healthy I just can't I can't pick them to, to, to win I can't pick the Bears to win against the Vikings and Adrian Peterson in, in, in December I can't do it so I'm taking I'm picking them to beat the Raiders I'll pick them to beat the 49ers um, both pretty much all of these that I picked were home games they're playing the redskins at home uh the lions at home at the end of the year I picked them to be to win that game and I picked them to win in tampa bay just because I want to I mean
1: yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> we I don't that that was a tough one to even pick for me so I, at first I was like it could be 4 and 12 I'll 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 give them the benefit of the doubt and give them tampa bay just because I don't think any any coach coming into chicago wants to lose to lovey smith and I think they'll find a way to win that <laughs> so <laughs> I just I I can't I can't pick them to to win against St. Louis though I think that we we for some reason this is the game that you and I get hung up on the most I don't mm-hmm. understand why but just whenever the Bears play in St. Louis it is bad it's yeah. always bad well hell and, man
1: I was I was there the last time that they played you know, the Rams <laughs> in St. Louis I was there I made the trip to St. Louis to see it and you know the whole thing with uh with with, with uh, who was the with their their wide receiver running a, an end around on the first play of the game for a sixty yard touchdown, yep. it was pretty much all downhill from there, you know, all the way from you know the whole like the Bears doing very well not giving up sacks, but a sack fumble touchdown at the end of the game by Robert Quinn because why not at this point exactly. with the game being out of control uh, the way that it was, so it's like I was there the last time it happened, uh, and aside from it being a really awesome atmosphere because the Bears fans travel so well um yeah it was not an enjoyable experience
2: yeah i just i remember i I can't remember if it was 14 or 21 nothing at one point in that game and i was just like i oh it was
1: it was 14 nothing before my seat was even warm yeah i i remember
2: kyle long getting into a fight during that game that happened and
1: and it was chris long his brother that came off the sideline to pull him out of the fight which i thought was awesome but uh (laughs) Yeah, it was fourteen to nothing in a heartbeat because the Rams scored right away, and then our first or second play from scrimmage after we like after we were like inside the five yard line uh, after our opening kickoff somehow, Matt Forte who never fumbles the ball fumbles the ball and the the, the Rams recover it inside our five yard line and score like two plays later. So we're inside of like four minutes in the fourth in the first quarter, if that, and we're already down fourteen to nothing. So the thing went off the rails. Really, just right at the very beginning with that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's because it's later in the year. Uh, I, I don't know. This I, we'll we'll see. We'll see how that goes. You know, you're probably right. We'll probably lose the game to the Rams as it stands right now. But I'm thinking that maybe by that time of year, our defense is kind of hitting a stride, and Nick Foles will give us one or two in that one, and maybe we'll go that way. So who knows? Or or maybe Todd Gurley will fumble the ball for us a couple of times. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So
2: yeah, and Jeff Fisher is implosive, so we can always hope for that too.
1: Sure. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. All right. So that's the NFC, uh, on the AFC side, you know, it, it's probably, you know, it uh, has to do with the fact that I'm, I'm, I was born to an NFC team. So I enjoy the NFC side of the, the league a bit more. The AFC side is always just so boring and it has been for quite a while because it's always going to be, the same three or four teams that are in the running at the end. It's a very top-heavy conference as far as I'm concerned. Every now and then Baltimore will jump in there and and give you one, but usually it's New England, Denver, Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis. Those are the four teams you can pretty much depend on being there at the end, and unfortunately, that's what I have. I have New England in first winning the East uh, over Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets in the East.
2: I also have New England. I I don't know how you could pick anybody else. I mean, it's obvious (laughs) at at this point. All the scandal aside, there's just no way that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Bill Belichick don't find a way to win. They always find a way. So I have to pick them. I actually put the Dolphins second just because I think the progression of Tannehill and the weapons that they added for him this year – are very underrated. I think the defense is better. I I think that they, they can do it, and I actually I think uh, at one point I picked them to be a wild-card team.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the Jets, it, they just they can't ever seem to pull it together. Maybe Todd Bowles does something spectacular this year. Maybe not. I think they're better off at quarterback with Fitzpatrick. They have some really good offensive weapons. They have Brandon Marshall, and they have Eric Decker, and they have a, a decent run game with a really good offensive line. So they could probably pull... You know a few surprise wins out here and there. The Bills, I think that they are going to be an absolute train wreck. I think um, they are they are kind of on par with the Forty ers at this point. I just I, I just don't think that Rex Ryan is going to do anything spectacular with that. I, I have to I have to pick the p- the Pats to win it and most likely head deep into the playoffs like they always do.
1: <laughs> right, and that's where you and I disagree is is on the Buffalo Bills, and we went back and forth a little bit on your show earlier. Yep. Uh, or last week when we, when we talked about it was that, um, you know, I I think that more than anything, Buffalo is excited, you know, because they have the, you know, they have Rex Ryan, they have this outspoken outlandish coach. They went with Tyrod Taylor to be their, their quarterback. So he's a bit more exciting than, than what they're used to or what they were looking forward to with Matt Castle uh, being their quarterback. And, uh, and things like that, I think that, you know, the defense is already solid, will re- will remain so and keep them in a lot of uh, ball games. I don't have them making the playoffs like I did when we were talking last week after I broke down the, the records and such, so they're not my big surprise pick uh, anymore. Uh, I can't really argue with the Dolphins being in second place. I just, uh, like when I broke down the schedule the way that I did with, uh, like, the Bears and, and generalizing, you know, well, we can go two and four here. 1 and 0 there, you know, that kind of thing. Um I had just had them finishing with fewer wins than Buffalo. For me, it's the defense that makes a difference uh between Buffalo uh and Miami. I just like the Bills defense more than I like Miami even with and Sue. Uh so we we'll move on to the to the north. The north I got Pittsburgh repeating as champ, 10 and 6, Baltimore 9 and 7, Cincinnati Finally, not making the playoffs I mean not that it's really mattered that they've made the playoffs the last <laughs> four years. They're a one and done wild card team every single year uh, and then Cleveland you know coming in at the bottom once again uh four and twelve regressing i just' just i just you know as as an old school n f l fan watching the the Browns and the Broncos and those awesome playoff games when we were kids i i you know I have nostalgia reasons for the browns to to finally figure it out and and move it on but um you know, I had to dock them a few games for the horrible uniforms that they came out with this year. <laughs> you get really I mean, hung up on that uniform. <laughs> oh my god, dude. I you know, and and I and I and I'm a self-professed uh, you know, uniform snob. You know, these things are important to me, you know, which is why I think Tampa Bay and Cleveland will be at the butt end of the NFL until they fix their uniforms. Because those are god awful uniforms. Both of them. Just terrible. I love what the Browns did with their helmets, as I do with the with the Buccaneers. <laughs> But their uniforms from the neck down are atrocious, and until they change them, they're they're going to be at the bottom where they belong. Because you cannot have a champion in the NFL dressed like that. It's it's the whole dress good, play good thing, and they do not dress good. So
2: I don't know. The Seattle Seahawks have some pretty outlandish uniforms of their own sometimes, and they, they won themselves a championship. Well, so. their
1: uniforms kind of grew on me, and I think it had to do with the whole— navy blue thing they got going on and we got navy blue with the bears Uh, maybe that's what it was i don't know we'll see you're Uh, (laughs) biased i am i am uh okay and in the south uh you know no surprises here indian first houston second tennessee third jacksonville um 3 and 13 battling for the number one pick in the draft again
2: do you think tennessee will be back at number one tennessee or I'm sorry uh, you think Jacksonville will be back at number 1 you said
1: I think they'll be close I mean I think that they'll be battling with the Redskins and the 49ers for that top uh for that top choice but mm-hmm. uh yeah I I, I don't, don't think so
2: but I, I thought the Jacksonville if anything has a pot- has the best potential of all the terrible teams coming into the year they have the best shot at imp- improving vastly and Gus Bradley had better hope that they do <laughs> yeah <laughs> right now cuz this is, they're in a situation where he's gotten some passes because of some of the terrible roster moves made before him. And he's had some chances now to build that team. And at this point, they need to win six to eight games. They have to, or I don't foresee them keeping Gus Bradley around.
1: I well, don't. I, I would have been in, in the same boat with you. And I know he's only one player, but I, I kind of soured on Jacksonville when they lost Dante Fowler. And not because of what they lost, when they lost him, but that it just put a stink on the team that, okay, that's this is just going to not work out, work out for them again. You know, where it's this is something that happens to the Jaguars. They, they they get this amazing prospect that for one reason or another doesn't work out. It's Justin Blackman all over again where, you know, the guy is a top five. Pro- I mean, like people were surprised he lasted to number five in the draft when the Jacksonville – jaguars picked him and here he is a guy who can't keep himself out of jail long enough to keep himself on the practice field and and be on the field where he was great in flashes when he was actually there fowler obviously being the complete opposite a model citizen and everything but first practice of otas he blows out his acl on on a random you know offensive lineman didn't touch him trying to get around the edge just stepped funny and his knee gave out on him kind of thing it just kind of reeks of how there's this cloud over the Jaguars that they haven't been able to get themselves out from under.
2: Being a Jaguars fan at this point, is kind of like knowing you're going to lose, but not exactly knowing how. Right. (laughs) It's just, just kind of how it goes. I would, I, I think that that injury is devastating. I do. I think that the additions that people are overlooking are stuff like TJ Yeldon. It's a very good addition there for them. I think him being, I think having a true three down back to help out and the improvements that they have made although slight on the offensive line will help Blake Bortles and having somebody he trusts he's developed very good chemistry with TJ Yeldon and out having Allen Robinson back healthy if he can stay healthy vastly improves that team. I do. I, I just can't I can't foresee them being worse than the Titans because the Titans talent-wise are just worse on paper. Yeah. And they have they have Ken Wisenhunt who is an excellent offensive coordinator, supposed quarterback whisperer, (laughs) but we had one of those two, and those don't always translate into great head coaches. Yeah. And I just, I can't, I think, I actually, I think I put a stat out, I think I said something on my show, which was, I think that Jameis Winston will have more wins as a rookie, but I think Mariota will be statistically better. But yeah. I just, I can't, I can't say that that's going to translate into wins. I, I think the Titans win maybe three or four games. I do. I I just, They don't have enough on defense. They don't have enough on offense.
1: Yeah. I had Titans at five and 11 and Jacksonville at three and 13.
2: Yeah. I just, I, I would probably swap those if it was me.
1: Okay. And then finally the AFC West, Denver, number one, KC, number two, San Diego and Oakland. So I don't think there are any surprises there.
2: No, I definitely, uh, think, uh, the Philip Rivers, although he just got that fr- that brand new shiny contract that was, you know, giving gold to someone who doesn't know what gold is yeah. at, at this point, it, it it's nice in theory. I think that as you get older, like he is and the way that he plays, it's just not going to translate. And the threat of them leaving and all that kind of stuff, I, I have to pick Casey just because of the improvements that Casey's made to help out Alex Smith and stuff.
1: Right, so we'll get to the playoffs now. I don't know if you're going to get as in depth as I'm about to, but keep up if you can, Ron. We got the oh, all right, (laughs) our six uh, our six playoff teams uh, on the NFC side. We got uh, I got Seattle at one, Philly at two, Green Bay. Actually, I'm sorry, Green Bay two, Philly at three, Atlanta four. Those are our division winners. Arizona and Minnesota are the wild cards.
2: I have the exact same thing.
1: Okay, so that gives us a wild card round of three versus six, which is Philly and Minnesota. I'll take Philly there. Uh, the 4-5 matchup is Atlanta versus Arizona, and I take the Cardinals in that one. And so then the divisional round, did you want to weigh in on the wild card, or are you going to do this with me? Uh,
2: uh Oh, wow. Jeez, a little snarky. <laughs> the uh, I I'm going to take Cardinals just – as long, as long as Carson Palmer is healthy. Like, the Cardinals are the kind of team that I think can make the playoffs without Carson Palmer, but like we saw last year, I just don't think that they can win in the playoffs without him. Right. So I'm going to take them as long as he's healthy. I'm going to take the... I'm actually going to take... Hmm. Yeah, I think I'd have to take uh, the Eagles as well. Okay. Yeah, so for sure.
1: Yeah, the divisional round that gives us number three Philly at Green Bay. And number five, Arizona and number one, Seattle. And I'm actually going to go with the upset and take Philly over Green Bay because Green Bay likes to lay an egg in the playoffs every now and then. And I think they just did a little too well last season, and they choked, and they're going to pay for it this year. And I also think, like you've been talking about, missing Jordy Nelson, I think that will weigh in big time in the playoffs. Um, you know, regular season, I don't see it that being that big a problem. But in the playoffs, they're going to need Jordy Nelson in his experience, and it's just not going to be there. So I'll take Philly over Green Bay, and then Seattle over Arizona because it's in Seattle.
2: I'm going to take Seattle over Arizona. It's just barring any kind of major injuries or anything like that, I just you can't pick them. You can't pick them not to win. And um, I, I have to go with Packers. Uh, the Jordy Nelson loss is bad, and I think that that is going to affect them up front in the season. I think that they will get it figured out like they always do because the Packers always figure out how to replace people in the back end of the season. And yeah. I think that they will be gelling. I mean, you remember the Super Bowl run they had where they beat the Steelers. They were playing with second- and third-string guys at 10 of 11 positions on defense.
1: Mm-hmm. I,
2: it's just I if there's one team that can always put makes like anything out of absolutely nothing— It's the Packers. So I'm going to have to pick them to win and uh, go on to the championship.
1: All right. So then the NFC championship game, I have Philly and Seattle. And this right here is where the Super Bowl loser curse will kick in for the Seattle Seahawks and Philadelphia will beat them in the NFC title game.
2: You have Chip Kelly taking the Eagles to a Super Bowl.
1: Why the hell not? I mean <laughs>
2: As much as you know, much as we criticized him all offseason, you picked him to go to a Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's like I said on your show, and I mentioned it earlier in this episode was that, you know, you, you take the preseason with a grain of salt, but it's hard to ignore what the Eagles have been doing in the preseason to the extent that they've been doing it. To to have a when their starters have been out there for the first quarter, they're winning 56 to three in their preseason games, you know, so their defense is kicking ass and their offense is putting up big, big numbers, things like that. I mean, it's like I said, it's the preseason. So take it for what you will, but it's hard to ignore production like that. And I think that it can translate to the pre to the regular season, but of course it all weighs in on how healthy the team can stay throughout the year, especially their quarterback and Sam Bradford.
2: Yeah. That's the number one reason I didn't pick them to win. I just don't think that he'll be the quarterback by the time they get there.
1: Right. right. Um,
2: so I think and with me having picked the Packers, I'm gonna go with a Packers Seahawks rematch, and I'm gonna pick the Packers to not blow it this time and go on to a Super Bowl. I just I think at this point, the offense is a lot more about Aaron Rodgers than it is anyone else. It's Aaron Rodgers and Eddie Lacey. It really could be anybody else at all those other positions, if except if Jordy Nelson was healthy. And as long as those three guys are out there, it, didn't really ma- it wouldn't really matter what else is going on around them. Because those three just have a connection with, because of the centerpiece of Aaron Rodgers. I just, I can't not pick them to go with the way that they improve their defense and the way that the offense and the scheme is. It's just I, I have to pick them to go to the Super Bowl. Yep.
1: It sucks, <laughs> but it's true. You know, I just...
2: mean, there'll be a day... There'll be a day, Larry. You know, that's seven years, seven, eight years from now when we're sitting here doing this for the for the eighth or ninth time. We're, yes. <laughs> we're going to be like, yay, the Packers aren't going to go to the Super Bowl. Yay.
1: <laughs> All right. On the AFC side, um, I have uh, New England at one, uh, Indy two, Denver three, Pittsburgh four. Those are the division winners. Baltimore and KC are your card teams.
2: I have... Actually, I picked the Steelers one and the Patriots two. I picked Indy three and the Broncos four. Mm -hmm. And the reason behind that is I think that the Steelers are due for just a amazing season. I think a healthy Ben Roethlisberger with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and the offensive line being a lot more improved and possibly keeping him upright. I mean, you remember the last time he had a great offensive line, he just torched everyone. Mm-hmm. with guys with guys walking off the street to be wide receiver. And so I think at this point I and I we're going to talk about this just just a little bit later when I give out some other picks of stuff but I think <laughs> so that's a preview. <laughs> I think the Steelers are in my opinion a 14 win team this year.
1: 14. Yeah. I'm going to take them as a
2: 14-win team this year.
1: 14-2. and Yeah. That's insane. All right. (laughs) So so my rankings give us a wild card round, Denver 3 versus Kansas City 6. That's a Denver win. And then you have Pittsburgh 4 against Baltimore 5. So two divisional rematches there. I'll take Pittsburgh and Denver to move on to the next round.
2: So, okay, so that would put, so if I have the Steelers 1 and I have the Chiefs, so Steelers and Patriots are 1 and 2. I have the Colts, 3. That would put them against 5, correct?
1: 6. Three 6,
2: six. yes. Yeah. So I have them playing the Chiefs, and I have the Chiefs um, losing just because they always lose to the Colts in the playoffs for some reason. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to take the, I guess it'd have to be Dolphins-Broncos, but <laughs> uh, I'm going to take, you know what? I'm going to take the Dolphins, I think, just because I don't think that Peyton Man- Manning will be 100% by then. I don't. So I'm going to take okay. the Dolphins. I don't think they get any further than that, but I'm going to take them.
1: All right, so my divisional round has number 4 Pittsburgh at New England and number 3 Denver at Indy. I'm actually going to take Pittsburgh over New England and Indy over Denver.
2: And I think I'll take uh I'm going to take the Colts and the I'm going to take the Steelers. to to win those. And I think that's who we're looking at AFC championship wise.
1: Okay. So we both have the same AFC title game, even though they took different roads to get there. Um, And I think you're going to pick Pittsburgh to win that game. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I am going to go with Indy because it's going to be in Indianapolis, which gives me Philly and Indy in the Super Bowl.
2: And see, I go the other way because I think it'll be in Pittsburgh. And I think the, 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 weaknesses on the Indy defense are going to be what causes the loss at that game.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess so- that for sure. Yeah. Um, Cause I had trouble with the, with the AFC title game. I think Indy it's, it's somewhat of a Homer pick for me because the Indy, the Colts are my AFC team. So same here, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So in the end, that's kind of what I went with and uh, you know, but I could definitely see it going the other way with Pittsburgh um, being there once again. So we got Indy and Philly in the Super Bowl, and I'm taking the Colts.
2: And I have Packers-Steelers, and I'm taking the Steelers. Okay,
1: so at least you didn't pick Green Bay. So, <laughs> so I, that's those. <laughs> that's the that's the pick that stick. We'll see how much of uh, geniuses or idiots we look like at the end of the <laughs> season. And probably half these teams don't make the freaking playoffs this year just because. So we'll move on to the final portion, which will be the awards section. And um, so we got MVP, Coach of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year. Let's start with MVP, who you got?
2: MVP, I'm going to pick Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. And the reason is, I think he has a lot of weapons. I think he's going to, uh, I think his, his completion percentage is has increased in the years that he's been healthy every single time. I think he's going to have a breakout year Uh. Throwing wise, I, I just I think he's I honestly think he could, he could push past the thirty forty touchdown mark this year. Okay. And I know that they have Le'Veon Bell and they're going to run the football a lot, but I think a lot of that Le'Veon Bell success is going to be because of Roethlisberger, not the other way around.
1: Okay, and I went with a similar choice. I went with the quarterback of my AFC champion uh, and Andrew Luck from the Colts. I think will be the MVP. Uh, this year, um, not not just because he's going to lead Indy to a Super Bowl, but because he's playing to make twenty five million dollars a season next year. I agree.
2: Um, I that, know, that's a so definite I, possibility. I yeah. think
1: that's going to. I mean, not that he really needs the motivation to do that, but I think that that's going to factor in to how he's going to play this year, and he's going to play out of his mind so that next year, you know, he'll he'll make twenty five dollar twenty five million a season, you know, and he'll they'll, you know, make that biggest quarterback contract in the history of the NFL money that uh, you know, those guys always tend to to make. So, from MVP, we'll go to defensive player of the year and I don't know how you can pick anyone other than JJ Watt
2: yep. right now. That's that's uh, that's it. JJ okay. Watt.
1: Right. So we'll just we'll just move on from there. Uh, coach of the year, I, I went with Mike Zimmer from the Vikings even though I had Guys like uh, like Dan Quinn and you know maybe even Chip Kelly kind of in the mix for some reason. Mike Zimmer just feels like the pick for me.
2: Yeah, I, I like him just because he's somebody that nobody ever talks about. And if right. he ends up taking the Vikings to a ten and six for eleven and five record or does something where you know maybe he gets nuts and they win into the division, there's no way you can't pick him to do it, especially if they beat the Packers out. Right. And uh, so I like that. Um, I pick Todd Bowles.
1: Really? No,
2: I'm just messing with you. I picked okay. Dan Quinn.
1: Thank
2: you. <laughs> I just wanted to mess with you a little bit.
1: <laughs> it's like, dude, don't do this. You don't even have Mick in the playoffs. What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> no, I picked Dan Quinn. Uh, I, I think what he brings to the Falcons is very underrated. Everybody talks about how bad the Falcons' defense is going to be, and it hasn't been outstanding in the preseason. But I think he can. if there's anybody that can take nothing on defense and make it into you know, at least white bread (laughs) at that point, he can do
1: it. (laughs) Right. All right. Defensive rookie of the year. Uh, I went with, I went with the New York jet. I went with Leonard Williams from the New York jets because Sheldon Richardson is going to be missing uh, at least four games. You know, he had a suspension. He was going to be suspended four games. Then he had that arrest that he tried to hide from the, from the football, from his team uh, after that. So it could be longer, that he's out, so Leonard Williams then is going to slide into the, into the you know, the starting position, and I think that, you know, this is a guy I really kind of wish that the Jets had had passed on him so the Bears could have taken him because I really think if we had Leonard Williams, we'd be having a different conversation about our defense. But,
2: oh, definitely.
1: Um, You know, he was one of those guys that, uh, you know, I really thought he was going to fall to us, and then the Jets picked him to kind of break my heart there. And give me another reason to hate Todd Bowles. But, um, you know, I think that, that he's going to, you know, the fact that he's kind of going to be in the, the starting lineup by default because Richardson's not going to be there. I think by the time Richardson's ready to come back, it's going to be a non-issue because Williams is going to be lights out.
2: Yeah, I don't see how Sheldon Richardson probably takes the field at all this year. I Because, remember, you don't have to have any kind of conviction. It's all perception of the league. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I could foresee him being suspended for the remainder of the year. I picked Eric Armstead. And the only reason I did that is because the NFC West has some of the worst offensive lines. Huh. And if there I think he might end up being the only rookie bright spot in the entirety of that division because there's not a ton of rookies starting defensively in that division. And I think he could pile up, you know, you know, eight, ten sacks and get himself a defensive rookie of the year.
1: Okay, Eric Armstead, interesting interesting choice. Uh, offensive Rookie of the Year. I don't really know if he'll be able to pull it off. It's just that uh, I've really liked what I've seen from him uh, so far. I went with Tyler Lockett from the Seattle Seahawks, the wide receiver. And, and I think that because most of his highlights are going to come probably in the kick return game, that might hurt him as far as being the Offensive Player of the Year. But he's also done some pretty good things on offense and with Russell Wilson you never know what's going to happen, but that's the guy that kind of stood out for me, the, the guy that I liked as my offensive rookie of the year.
2: That's interesting. I hadn't even had him on my list, honestly, just because he is more of a return than he is offensive.
1: You know, and, that, and I think that's probably the main reason probably why that won't happen is because he'll probably do, he'll be more of a Devin Hester uh, as far as, you know, him probably making more of his offensive impact on special teams than actually on offense, but You know, he's just the one that I went with uh, when I when I had to make the choice.
2: All right. Well, I went with Amir Abdullah. I think that Bell's injury, like Bell's injury, and the fact that he's more or less kind of a placeholder right now at the running back position. I liked what I saw from Amir Abdullah in the preseason. I think that he eventually by I would say week eight, week nine, it's the starting back with Bell mixing in rather than vice versa. I begged him to do it. I think he can probably get himself, you know, six, seven touchdowns this year, and um, both in receiving, both are mixed in in combination with receiving and rushing. I He's just got a really good skill set, and I think that if the Lions are smart, that they'll play him sooner rather than later.
1: Okay, and then finally we have Comeback Player of the Year. Who you got?
2: I want Sam Bradford. Okay. Uh, I think... If he can stay healthy, the way that he has played in the preseason, like you said, you just can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And the way that Chip Kelly runs the offense, the fast release, keeping him upright, I think if he's able to stay healthy and he, he could throw for 4,000 yards and get himself a comeback. And If Sam Bradford for, throws for 4,000 yards, stays healthy, and does what you're saying, which is goes all the way and wins a Super Bowl, there's no way he's not a comeback player of the year.
1: Right. Uh, I went a different way. I went with defense, and I went with more of a feel-good story in Eric Berry from the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: Oh, good pick. Good pick. Missed,
1: missed all of 2014 with, with, uh, with, with cancer, uh, was able to, you know, make it through. He's, you know, played in the preseason. He's going to be a starter for them this year. I think that, uh, you know, if he can remain healthy and be the player he was before uh, he got sick, I think he's definitely in the discussion for comeback player of the year.
2: Oh, I agree. I I didn't even think about that to be honest, and that's actually an outstanding pick. And I would like to change my pick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will allow it. So that's 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 quite all right with me. That's
2: eh? that's that's actually it, it's it's almost like you have to because especially if he comes out and plays with a high intensity, that's just that is something that they do a thirty, you know, like a ESPN football yeah. life or yeah. you know that kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. So. Yeah, so those those are the picks that stick. That's what we're going with for now. How they will shake up by this time in January, who the hell knows. Uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see how right or wrong we are because, uh, you know, the, the team that I had making the NFC Super Bowl last year didn't even make the playoffs uh, in the Saints, and the Broncos didn't even make the AFC title game last year. So we'll see how much of a genius I turn out to be again this year we'll see who's right me or Ron and as far as who will make the super bowl or the playoffs and all the rest of that fun stuff so um that's going to do it for the for the preseason now we're done the preseason is over with we're finally going to get to the regular season and at the very and 3, least, baby. Yeah, and 3. <laughs> at the very least at the very least I hope we're playing competitive football because I just I don't think I could stomach another year like the one we had last season, where we, you know, we we were phoning it in. There's just no other way to put it. We were just, we were mailing it in, phoning it in, whatever you want to call it. The team just showed up merely because the NFL said they had to. Right. And if they had the choice, they probably wouldn't have. They'd have just collected their paychecks and gone home, which is essentially all they were doing anyway. But. Um, you know, I hope that that John Fox and I think that that's what he can bring is that fire and intensity so that even if we are losing these football games, we're, we're, we're being competitive. We look like we care. And at least throughout the season, whether it translates into wins, we're seeing some improvement throughout the year. You know, kind of like maybe what, what the Vikings did. They got off to a slow start last year, but all of a sudden around week four, week five, the margin of victory got smaller. They were in a lot of these close games and started winning them towards the end of the year. Whereas, you know, they finished up with like a seven and nine record when they started out like one and five, you know, kind of thing. So, hopefully, that will kind of be where the Bears uh, shake up at the end. It's like maybe we'll win some more games on the back end when our schedule gets a little easier, especially those last five games: San Francisco, Washington, Minnesota, will be the tough game, but then you got Tampa Bay and then you finish at home with Detroit. Those last five games, I think, are probably where the Bears will you know, probably close the gap on that win-loss record at the end.
2: So would you prefer the Bears going something like three, four wins, but being in every game than going six or seven wins and getting blown out at least four times?
1: Yeah, I would, actually. Um, yeah,
2: that's the way I see it. I would much rather see a team actually play from start to finish that, and lose the games by 7, 3, 10 points mm-hmm. than see 50-burger after 50-burger yeah. get hung up on them by the Packers or the Eagles or the Seahawks. or like. Because if you look at the teams that they're playing, they're playing the Packers, the Cardinals, the, the Seahawks, the Lions, the Broncos. Uh, those are teams that can hang up some points on you. And so I would rather... See them hold those teams down to under thirty, and the Bears lose by, let's say 21-30 or something like that. Then see fifty four to fourteen. Yeah, I, I get so I get so aggravated with that.
1: Yeah. So I mean, and I think that you know, if if we're if we're looking at at a win loss record of you know five and eleven at the end of the season, but you are looking at the scores and you are seeing, you know, we lost this game twenty four to sixteen. We lost this one 21 to 13. You know, you're looking at a lot of games where it's like we're one one funny bounce away from from going from five and 11 to 10 and six kind of thing. You know, one one break from here, one penalty that doesn't go against us because we had a rookie that made a, a mental error. You know, that kind of thing. I think, you know, at the very least, that shows progress and gives us hope for 2016, where I think the Bears will definitely make up some ground next year, especially when. Pace and Fox have had another year and another offseason to bring their guys into the team.
2: And next year we should be doing, let's see, if we're playing the Wests next year, we should be playing the Souths?
1: Yeah, we're playing the NFC South next year. Yeah,
2: I gonna say if we can play the Souths next year and they kind of stay the course that they're on right now, we could be looking at a lot better position, being in a lot better position schedule
1: We actually have both South divisions. I'm pretty
2: sure we do, yeah.
1: I'm pretty sh- pretty sure we got both of them. Yep. No, 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 no. We got the East. We got the NFC East next year.
2: Oh, that's kind of even better in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I think that I think where the South will make up some ground in the next year's offseason, I think the East will lose it. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. So um yeah, we got the NFC East and the AFC South next year. So I mean, just just based on that right now, we can take at least 5 wins out of those 8 games right there. Yeah, easily. You, know, you get three wins in the AFC South, and then at least two in the NFC East right now. Uh, you know, that's five wins. That's all we're basically counting on right now, and we haven't even talked about the division yet yeah. for next year. So, I mean, I I definitely would have liked that schedule more this year, uh, but we'll have to wait until 2016 for that kind of hope to be prevalent. But nonetheless, uh, Ron, that's uh, boy, we really got long-winded there, didn't we? Yeah,
2: it's all that's- right.
1: That's yeah, all right. You're going to listen anyway because you I love I know. Bears. I'm
2: a huge fan. I've been well, not to... just
1: you, but every you know you as in fans <laughs> out there listening to this, you guys are still with us um, or anything. But, um, you know, I will uh, – you know, I, like I said, we're Bears fans. We're going to support them to the end. I just hope that there's a lot more for us to be happy about than there is. Regardless of the win-loss record, I just want to see our team compete this year. That's kind of what I've been looking forward to in this season – regardless of how it shakes out i just want us to see be- i just want us to be better than we were last year it'd be hard for us to be worse than we were last year but i want to see improvement and even though it's not setting up well with injuries and you know the the personnel that we were able to gather up for this year we'll see how it all uh, turns out but i you know i am forever a supporter of the squad so un- until i'm in the ground i'm uh, praying and hoping for the bears
2: intensity and and motivation. I think that's what everybody wants. Yeah. Just give us the hundred percent, even if you lose.
1: Right. So that's what uh, that's what we're hoping for. So, so Ron, thanks so much uh, for for joining me here. Absolutely. Uh, so the picks that stick in our uh, roster analysis there. So, uh, you know, we'll probably have you back on during the season because as of right now, I don't have a confirmation from everybody on the schedule. Sounds great. So we'll uh, we'll have you in to fill in like you're gonna have me on Football is America to fill in from time to time. I'm gonna have you on the show to fill in uh, on this uh, you know for the for the SB Nation or whoever writers I can't get on the show for our for our preview episodes. So uh, sounds we'll like be a blast. And uh, thanks again uh, for listening. So we'll be back on Thursday for the Week One preview. Hopefully I can get Evan Western uh, from SB Nation's Acme Packing Company. Still trying to to nail him down. He's agreed, but we have to schedule it to get it done. Hopefully we'll have him on the show. If not, it'll just be me talking about the Bears and Packers week one. So until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Chicago Bears Review.